Good morning, afternoon, and evening, and welcome to the 8311 Cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, Ariane Barry, and Wyatt Teeter as we talk to you about college football, college basketball, the NFL, and of course, our signature segments, Mike's Stupid Rules and Write That Down Predictions, here on episode 203. <laughs> I have a quiz, which I don't expect any of you to name probably more than one or two individuals, but I have spent too long compiling a full list of all Pro Bowl selections for the 49ers that have names that total 10 characters combined. And you'll probably see why here in a minute. But can any of you actually name anybody from the 49ers that was selected to go to the Pro Bowl that has a name that is 10 characters exactly in length? Is Joe Montana 10 characters? Or is that only nine? I can't spell. Joe Montana is 10 characters. Jerry oh. Rice is nine. Oh. Yeah, Rice is say, not on the list. I was going to say Rice. Uh, no, I'm going to say no. Just no. Just no. Um, give me a uh, second here. Uh, F-R-A-N-K-G-O-R. Frank Gore is nine. Dang it. Is Debo Samuel 10? Is he going to a Pro I didn't Bowl? know what counted as his name. Is his name Debo? It is Debo. That would be, what, 11 or 12? It, more than 10. More than 10. Do they have to have gone to the Pro Bowl as a 49er? No, they just have to have been um, s- selected to go. So if the 49ers went to a Super Bowl or something, they didn't play or were injured, uh, they still count. They had to be playing, had to for, be the playing for the 49ers that year. Yes, yes, they had to be playing for the 49ers that year. Gotcha. So not that Christian McCaffrey has 10 letters, but he wouldn't count even if his name had 10 letters. Correct. Until he goes to the Pro Bowl this year. Until he goes to the Pro Alex Bowl this Smith. year. Oh, Alex Smith is nine. I don't yeah. think Alex Smith got selected to the Pro Bowl when he played for the Niners. There's not an uh, Alex I, Smith, I, but there I, is an, an Alden Smith, apparently. Alden, 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 Alden Smith. Smith. Yeah. He was good. He was pretty good. Yeah. I will go through the quarterbacks because that's who, if yeah, you're going to know anybody, it's probably How many are there total? 26 total. Wow. And we came up with one. We came up with one. A, a surprisingly high number, honestly. I know. Well, this is since, you know, the 40, 1946 or whenever they started the Pro Bowl. The 49ers started in 49. Uh, so, so 1949ers. That's why it's called that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so quarterbacks, we have John Brody, uh, 65 and 70. Jeff Garcia, 2000, 2001, 2 and 2007. Joe Montana, of course, 81, 83, 84, 85, 87, 89, and 90. Uh, and then Steve Young, 1992, Those are your quarterbacks, and there's a lot of other people. Didn't he play for the Titans at one point? I always remember him as a Titan. I think you're right. Yes, yeah. he did. Yeah, he did. Any, well, I'd say any other notable ones. He was a 49er before I knew about enough to know anything about football. That is his most famous era is with the, with the Niners. And that was the only franchise that he represented in the Pro Bowl yeah. as well. But when I came in age of age as a sports fan, I think he was a Titan. So that's he was really why. good, though. Really good quarterback back in the day. So I bring that up because the 49ers have a chance of adding to this list of 10 character names <laughs> that went to the Pro Bowl with your boy Brock Purdy, which is also 10 characters in length. So hopefully we see that number jump to 27 um, sometime in the next couple of years. I don't know that we've ever seen anybody go to the Pro Bowl while starting like four games no it won't be this year oh okay you think he's gonna take the starting job from jimmy g's gonna break his foot again and what about trey lance Lance. yeah jimmy g's a free agent this year right i mean 
Trey Lance could just be really bad. I mean, Honestly, how many games did he start for at Trey Lance uh, FCS is North Dakota State? We saw how Carl Wentz went. Carl Wentz. Yep. Wentz has a Super Bowl ring, so yeah, he does. He, he wasn't playing. He played for two thirds that season. If you're just looking at the game tape from Brock Purdy and Trey Lance in NFL games, I think you can make the argument that Brock Purdy has looked better. And I don't think, you know, people would agree with you. Some of them, maybe not everybody, but it's not a ridiculous out-of-the-box hot take. So let me let me pose a hypothetical. Which of these three do you think is more likely? Brock Purdy is the 49ers starting quarterback week one next year. Brock Purdy is Trey Lance's backup week one next year. Or Brock Purdy is starting for somebody else next year because he gets traded. Uh, Brock Purdy is backup to Trey Lance next year. I would agree. I don't know. He might get traded, depending on how good he looks the rest of the season. Look at look at Kyle Shanahan, though. Like He has a history of if he finds a good backup that he likes, he tends to keep him. Like, like CJ beat hard, right? Right. He beats hard. That, that was sarcasm. CJ beat hard. Good backup. Great backup. But, but, right? But think about this from the 49ers' perspective, right? You, you've traded away most of your draft picks already, right? Mm-hmm. to go for it this year. Purdy, you can easily make the argument that Purdy, if he's good the rest of the year, caught lightning in a bottle, right? He's the, the equivalent of Case Keenum on the, what was that, the 2017 Vikings, 2019 Vikings, uh, yeah. whatever year that it was. Um, and he won't be good again, right? What would somebody, a QB-starved team like Carolina, give up for somebody they think could be their future quarterback? Fourth. You're not giving oh, up any more than a four. Yeah, you're not giving up more than a third or a fourth for that. But are you happy taking a fourth for a Mr. Irrelevant pick? Like, it's not bad. It's not bad. Yeah, if I'm the 49ers, I probably wouldn't do it for a fourth, but I was reckon they could get a first or a second. Oh, no, hey, no way. way. No, no way. way. <laughs> mm-hmm. No. How many, how many picks did the Niners give up to go get Trey Lance? Okay, but Trey Lance, I mean... Nobody's trading a first for the last pick in the draft. Trey Lance had played like three games in the last two years, and the 49ers gave up like five picks to trade up four spots and go get him. Yeah. And and you're not going to trade a second for Brock Purdy if he's great the next four weeks? I just don't think four weeks is enough to trade a first. A first? You can get a quarterback that people value higher than Brock Purdy for a first almost every draft year. Maybe, maybe not, but I'm I'm just saying they gave up they gave up a 2021 first round pick, which turned to uh, a 2022 first round pick, a 2022 third, and a 2023 first round. So they gave up three firsts and a third for Trey Lance, right? But that's the Unproven. draft, and that was before you'd seen him play in the NFL. Is about potential. If they'd seen what he looks like in games now, I don't think they would have given up that much for him. Sure, but now you see what Brock Purdy has looked like in games. His value is higher. I don't think he's worth the first. They would have gotten a first or a second out of Jimmy G, not Brock Purdy. No, no, no. no. Robert yes. Quinn. If somebody was offering them a first round pick for Jimmy G, they would have done it in a heartbeat. Nobody was going to pay Jimmy G that much money. No. They weren't getting a first. It was because of his injury. If they, if he wasn't injured, they would have gotten a first or a second for Jimmy G. Is what I'm saying here. They're not getting a first or a second for Brock Purdy. No way. Robert Quinn got traded earlier this year. A guy who, in my opinion, should have won a Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, he got traded for a fourth. What's his contract? 
I don't, I don't know, man. I don't have that pulled up. They right were going to have to sign him. I think he was going into a, a contract year. Yeah, I have to look at that. <clears throat> right, Robert Quinn's contract. Let's see here. He, he's he's in the hundred sack club. You know, he probably should have won the the defensive player of the year. I want to say fourteen or fifteen. The guy from the Colts won it instead, but he was much better. I have a. I have a St. Louis Rams Robert Quinn jersey in my parents' house that I don't allow in my house now that they moved to L.A. But Robert Quinn is 32 on the last year of his deal. Brock Purdy is 23 on the first unproven, year of his deal. Unproven. Unproven. Last quarterback. Last pick in the draft. I don't know. It's not a first. It's not a first. I would say a highest you're getting a third. Unless he balls out. I'd say a third or a fourth. Unless he balls out. If he just pops off the next four weeks. Oh, we're talking like, Patrick Mahomes numbers, 350 yards, three touchdowns a game. A game. And I don't think that's happening. All right, it let, might. Let's, let's say you're the Carolina Panthers. Right, I don't want to this. talk about Carolina. They are a dumpster <laughs> fire. Let's talk about like the New York Jets going for a quarterback. How about that? Draft. Right. Just draft. But would you would you rather have Brock Purdy or Tanner McKee? Who's Tanner McKee? I was gonna exactly. say who Tanner he's McKee the, is. He's the fifth best quarterback in the draft. The fifth? Why are we talking about the fifth? Because it's the Jets. They're not gonna they've got eight wins. They're not gonna be drafting in the top five. They're not gonna be drafting a quarterback, probably. They're gonna go trade for one with all that draft capital. All right, so go trade for Brock Purdy. For a first? No. <laughs> Before before this episode, I said, I think this is going to be a quick episode. We're still in the intro, and I feel like we've been on it for 20 minutes. No way. No, no way, way he gets drafted for he, a first. He's going to be the backup for to Trey Lance next year because Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to resign. Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy yes. Garoppolo, in my opinion, should go to the New York Jets. Mm, I think that's where he should go. I like that. Uh, I will you've say. Got, you've got a good offensive line, good running game. Uh, good weapons, a good defense, and Bob Sala is a familiar face. So, um, I think that's where Jimmy G should go, but I mean, we can predict all we want, but Brock Purdy is not getting traded for a first or a second. In an alternate universe where, let's just say, Trey Lance and Brock Purdy both got drafted in separate years with like a third round draft pick, both of them, I think Brock Purdy starts. The only reason Trey Lance starts over Brock Purdy is because they traded up and spent a first on him. Well, he hasn't looked better. He's the number two pick in the draft. Yeah, exactly. He hasn't looked better. It's just like some cough fallacy, right? Like we spent that much money. I need him to be good. Otherwise, we look like idiots. Yeah, I totally, I totally agree with you both that the most likely outcome is that he is Trey Lance's backup at the start of next season. I just think you're undervaluing what a team would give up for him and trade. We will see, or we won't. Who knows? We probably have, won't because it is <laughs> unlikely that it's traded after all of this. I have another little quiz in the intro. Uh, so I, the eighty three eleven cast Twitter tweeted out today that uh, Brock Purdy is the first quarterback to win their first start against Tom Brady. Uh, let's pretend like none of us know how many quarterbacks that is. How many quarterbacks do you think have gotten their first start against TB12? Mike, don't answer. All of us know the answer now. Yeah, that's true. The answer. Just, just say the answer it's then. seven. It's oh, seven. Oh, wow. You guys are so smart. <laughs> it's seven. 
Uh, all of those quarterbacks combined are one in six against Tom Brady. And I will, I will read to you the all-star cast. Uh, it is Luke Falk. Anybody remember Luke Falk? Yep. Oh. Yeah. Yep. EJ Manuel. Yes. Oh, yeah. Bills. Yep. Jake Locker. Yeah. Titans. Titans quarterback for Washington. Yeah. Or, yeah. Here's one I don't know. Uh, Tyler Polko. I don't no. know that one. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that one either. Matt Flynn. Yeah, yeah I know that one. Luke McCown. Yep. And then last and certainly not least, Brock Purdy breaking the curse and breaking, you know, beating Tom Brady down. Uh, those are the seven quarterbacks that got their first start against Tom Brady. Not exactly a a proud list, but uh, Brock Purdy's the only one who won his first start. So good job to Brock doing things nobody thought that I know would. on that list as well. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> good stuff. Most of them are noteworthy backups at best. Yeah. Uh, maybe a couple. I don't know who Tyler Polko is at all. At right. all. Right. So, I mean, there's that. Hey, those are really interesting facts. Uh, to keep us going in the realm of facts, what is a fact is that Iowa State football did land a big transfer uh, going into next season. Alden Harris Jr. is a former four-star uh, running back recruit coming out of college. Uh, he is immediate eligibility transfer from Stanford. Uh, could be a huge boost to that running back room. Um, it's a running back room where Deion Silas has already announced his intent uh, and has entered into the transfer portal. Um, we'll see if any other running backs follow now with the announcement of this commitment. But this was a guy that was highly coveted. Um, I think he he had interest for sure from Iowa. Uh, he also had some interest from a couple other really big programs around the country. But ultimately, Iowa State was one um, that he was very high on. and they got him there to aim. So big get for the Cyclones. It'll be interesting to see how he plays into the confusing running back room that we have so far, where we're not 100% sure who the starter is already. Adding another guy who used to be a four-star recruit. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out for sure. What, what's his name? Alden Harris? Junior. Oh, Junior. Are we sure that's right? No. Yeah. Kyle types it. Like, just copy and paste what you put in the outline. Google it. It comes up with a disc golfer. I think you put the wrong name in this, this <laughs> outline, Kyle. Hold on. There's no Alden Harris on Stanford's roster last year. Oh, Arlen Harris. There All right. It is. I oh, typed right. it wrong. Arlen. Arlen Harris, everybody. Arlen Harris. Arlen Harris Jr. There we go. I'm out of Des Moines Register articles. If anyone wants to donate to me. Yeah, everybody donate some, some money to us. Yeah, there we'll start we go. Start a GoFundMe. me. All right, that's correct. All right, thank you. Now that we cleared that up, continue with whatever you're talking about. I wasn't listening. No, I mean, that was, that's, that's it. Okay, that's I was trying to big, read some things about him while you were talking big, about him, and I just couldn't find him. So. Get for the Cyclones, so. Yeah, we'll see what it does to the running back home next year. Um, it should be hope. It, can it be worse than this last year? Probably not. I mean, it could, but we could have no it, games where we like this running game is really good, guys, and then you know get our hopes crushed. The hopes could get crushed at the beginning. True. I mean, speaking of getting our hopes crushed, that was pretty much what happened in uh, in both Cyhawk games this week. 
I didn't get a chance to watch much of either of them, so I'll let uh, let you two take over. If uh, if you guys or you three, if any of you watched any of them, I cannot speak to the women's game. Um, but it, it, I I saw uh, Chris Williams and um, another beat writer for the Iowa Hawkeyes um, met together at a bar. Uh, somewhere in Iowa to watch this game together and they were live tweeting during the game and I saw more of that than I saw the game uh, and for the most part Chris Williams was throwing back beers at a rapid pace um, compared to the Iowa guy so that's pretty much the summary of how the women's game went yeah. uh, Caitlin Clark played um, really well for the Hawkeyes and ultimately Iowa State just shot really poorly in this game and didn't play very well at all. Caitlin Clark's le- legit at worst. She's incredible. She always plays well. And uh, she played really well against us, and we lost. Yeah. Is what it is. We, we, we went on a long scoring drought late in the third quarter and were never really able to recover. They were, they were in it a lot longer than the men's team was in it uh, on their side, for sure. Well, I mean, in it. I, they were up by at halftime by mm-hmm. five. Uh, but... Iowa went on a 27 to eight run throughout the third quarter, as Mike alluded to. uh, And that kind of put the game away. Um, Ashley Jones was only five of 13 from the field. Uh, The, the Cyclones as a team just didn't shoot very well. Um, That'll be a a similar theme as we get into the men's side of things as well. Um, Iowa just shot pretty well in that game. Caitlin Clark was four of nine from three. Um, the Their guard, Kay Martin, was three of four from three with 13 points in the game. Um, Emily Ryan on Iowa State side of things was five of 13 from the field. Uh, Soares was four of nine from the field. Donarski, four of nine. And then Jones, five of 13 from the field. And... Uh, absolutely zero production from the bench. So, yeah. And uh, if that sounds depressing, wait until you get to our men's game, which was worse. Uh, yeah, it started off uh, 20 to 2 is how that game started. So, big hole you got to dig yourself out of. And, you know, they didn't. Jeez, uh, what? We ended up losing by 19? So basically, if you take out that terrible, terrible start, they played him even for the rest of the way, but Iowa was on fire. Credit to Iowa. They were fantastic. They made every shot. They had a lot of open shots. Their ball movement was good. Their defense was good, but we just, it looked bad. Too many shots for Bob Jones. I'm not a big Bob Jones guy. Uh, I know people like him for his energy, but if he's taking eight shots a game, and he's your leading scorer almost, that, that's not a winning record. It's not a winning game. Gabe Kalsher goes 5 of 13. Jaron Holmes goes 3 of, three of 12. I, you know, we went 13.6% from three. I don't even think we had more than one three-pointer made until about halfway through the second half. And I went 52% from three. You're just going to lose that game. They were super, super hot. And we were super, super cold same day. It is what it is. 
It's almost like the inverse of the game last year. Yeah, exactly. We we got them on a bad day or a good day for them. Like we weren't going to win either way, but we did not play well enough to beat them regardless of shooting luck. Right. And I mean, this game, just a summary of it. uh, If you check the game flow, like on ESPN, at one point, it's 26 to six with. 8.51 left to go in the first quarter or first half. Uh, This game never really got closer than 18 points. The entire game, if Iowa State made like a little mini run, which didn't happen often until you get to. I mean, Iowa was held without a basket from like 9.44 in the second all the way until. 512 in the second and the closest the score got at that point was 66 to 47 yeah the cyclones actually outscored the hawkeyes by one in the second half and the, the final score was still 79 to 56 like <laughs> you, you just dug yourself a giant hole and threw the shovel up out of the hole like it, you can't do anything to fix that it was brutal we got beat by the mccaffrey bros i love that I don't know. It, it, there are going to be a lot, of, a lot of games like this this year, I think, where the, def- the offense is just so bad that the defense cannot save it. I don't see, so, so far, I mean, we're almost through non-con. Maybe it'll look different in conference play, but I doubt it. I don't see a guy that saves us from a bad shooting night. We either have to shoot average or better, or we're going to lose those games because there's not somebody who can dig you out of those holes. Yeah, I think this is right. This team all depends on the shooting. If they shoot well, they can beat anybody. And if they yeah. shoot poorly, they can lose to anybody. Right. The, there's no one aspect. There's no baseline to this shooting. Like this, the bottom, the floor of the shooting is so bad that they can lose to anybody. Yeah. And I mean, geez. I will say one of the most amazing things I've seen in my time watching college basketball, I don't understand how it happened. And maybe Mike can under, you know, explain this a little bit more. How did Gabe Kalsher convince the world that he's a shooter? He's only had one year over 30% from three-point. Why, why are we pretending like he's a guy that makes a bunch of threes? He doesn't. He never but does. His, but it was his freshman year. So what? Every year he's played four years since then. He hasn't shot over thirty percent once, maybe one time. He's not a, a. There are probably big men who have similar percentages to him. You might as well guard Oshun on the perimeter as you do Gabe. They shoot almost the same percentage. I don't understand why we're pretending like he's some guy who's sniping from deep. He maybe does that one or two games a year, and then it's just brick city. He shot one of seven in this game. Yep. Bad. Yeah, we we beat Gabe Kalsher to death, figuratively, not literally, I hope. But, yeah, I would never yeah. do that figuratively. Yeah. But no, it's yeah, it's that's what we I talked about this as soon as he transferred. You that, did that is Gabe Kalsha. There's it's nothing perplexing new about Gabe Kalsha. It's perplexing that every game the announcers say, Well, that's a guy you can get going. You gotta guard him really close. And I'm like, what what bears that out? No numbers show that. I don't understand why we just keep treating it as such. It is just not factually evident in the numbers that he is some kind of guy who you have to worry about. He'll get hot once or twice a year. Yep, pretty much. That pretty much describes Although, it. Although, to, to, to his credit, 
He is a fantastic defender. I'm happy to have him as a defender and a, a senior leadership guy. He does not have no benefit. He's not a net negative or anything. Also interesting that he's still coming off the bench. Yeah, well, speaking of that, what's going to change on Sunday when Trey, uh, Trey King is back? Yeah. Uh, so, to me, I think the biggest benefit is going to be on defensive rebounding. He, he was a guy who averaged almost seven rebounds a game um, last time he, uh, the last season he played. Like That would be the leading rebounder on Iowa State. Um, well, Ocean averaged like nine last year, um, right? I think he's going to be able to 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 thrive in this rebounding scheme that Coach Otzelberger has where the big men box out more than rebound. So it'd be interesting to and see how to many minutes he plays. And we need to clean up our defensive plays. rebounding, so that would be that would be a For win sure. if he if he would do that. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how many minutes he plays right off the bat. Hopefully, he can make a big difference. And uh, I I didn't love his. I've never seen him play, but just looking at his stats from before he transferred, I didn't love them. They weren't amazing. So hopefully he brings it with intangibles. All right. I think that's everything we have to say. Does anybody have any thoughts about the Cyhawk series other than that we got stomped and that's it? We won the overall series. I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, we won the overall series. um, Thanks to Iowa State for picking up a lot of uh, sports that we don't often cover on this podcast. Um, But the... Shout out to the football team for getting a Cyhawk win this year. That was big. Um, track and field. Yeah. Swimming track and, and diving, I believe, for women. There we go. Cross country. Yeah, cross country. Cross country team's always really good. So, yeah, good on them. But uh, in the next week, the men will play Western Michigan at Sunday, on Sunday at noon, and the women will play number 25, Villanova, on Sunday at 2.30, and they will play that in Connecticut. So that's a fun game. I'm going to be at that game on Sunday, fun fact. Oh. Alumni pet band, yo. Did I say that right? I think I meant Central Time and not Connecticut. No, that that is Connecticut. It is in Connecticut. That is correct. You're going to be in Connecticut? No, no, at the men's game. I'm going to be at the men's game. I'm I'm like, what are you doing? That's also okay. you also said fun right after he said Connecticut, you said fun fact. I'm gonna be at that game. Yeah, I was, a little, I was, I was like, a little late. Uh, <laughs> a little late on that one. Yeah. So new, new initiative game. by the alumni band traveling to away games. That'd be fun. Good on them. We'll listen. We'll listen for you on the pot on the uh, on the television broadcast. I'll look Do for it. you. If you see somebody playing tennis sax really bad, it's probably me proud of you i was your guide so yeah i mean you taught me reflects on me as well you taught me everything i know about marching unfortunately that doesn't (laughs) help when it comes to pet band yeah so i think that's everything we got for basketball we will move on to the nfl kyle uh hit us up well uh i my team had a good week but mike these new look lions with head headed by Motor City Dan Campbell, you know, got the best of the Vikings this weekend. So, so what happened? I mean, yeah, you got TJ Hawkinson, but the Lions got the I mean, win. I mean, to me, it comes down to two things. This defense is bad. We knew the defense is bad. They've been able to cover it up by getting turnovers. Um, if they get turnovers, they're winning. And when they're not, they're losing. And that was the difference in this game. 
Um, we had one turnover in a key spot, and the Lions didn't turn the ball over. What was that turnover in a key spot? Was it Dalvin Cook throwing a touchdown pass on first and goal? Yeah, that, that's on to my next point, is that uh, Kevin O'Connell got thoroughly outcoached by Dan Campbell in this game, in my opinion. He made numerous head-scratching decisions. One of them is the one that uh, Kyle referenced, where it was obvious early in the game that the Lions were not able to cover Justin Jefferson. So at first and goal from the three, he decides to have Dalvin Cook on a pop pass to the backup tight end, and Dalvin Cook fumbles the football instead. Um, he went for two inexplicably while we were had just scored a touchdown to go down eight, inexplicably went for two, which failed. Um, chose to have an onsides kick. Um, chose for an onsides kick with two and a half minutes left. I didn't um, like and, that. Yeah, I thought that was dumb too. Kick it deep, then yeah, we, right. Then the Vikings. I know moved. the defense. The defense has been god awful all day, so I kind of get it, but still. And that was a terrible onside kick, too. It was just a no bounce, just straight into the hands of a defender. So that did not look great. Yeah, it was it was not good. Uh, we'll just leave it at that. It was not. I will say, question for you. You've seen all of the Vikings games this year, I assume, or mo- most of them. Most of them, yeah. Um, obviously, the Vikings signature kind of calling card this year has been one score games, and they win like all of them, literally all of them so far. Obviously, uh, your coach didn't have the best showing this week. Do you feel like on the season, though, he's been pretty good? Do you credit all these one-score wins to coaching, or do you credit them mostly to luck? There's there's some luck in winning one-score games, but it's not all luck by any means. At least that's my take. Um, Some of it is putting your players in the situation they need. I don't think in-game... I find this might be a... Poor philosophy. I find in-game coaching very rarely can turn a loss into a win, but it can pretty easily turn a win into a loss. I, I don't know what you guys' thoughts are on that. Um, no, I, I agree with that. That makes sense to me. Yeah, I was just I, curious what your overall thought was yeah, on your first-year coach. Is is the team a little bit lucky? Yes, but I think um, I think in the end, the they're buying into the new system and scheme. And I mean, O'Connell is fine. He had outcoached this game. Um, I don't think he's been outcoached in any other game um, necessarily this year, so I think he's fine there. But, um, yeah, he, he got outcoached, but he's fine. There's no reason to panic by any means. Yeah, no shame in getting your kneecaps bit. It happens to everybody. Yeah. Yep. Everyone has bad games. That includes coaches. So. Yeah. Uh, speaking of not having bad games, the Eagles... Uh, did not have a bad game against the Giants. In fact, it was a very good game. They've been blowing out a lot of their components, and their games haven't been, uh, in large part, very competitive. Uh, One of the narratives that is circulating around a lot of sports media, because they like to um, find things to talk about when you talk about the same thing every day, uh, is that the Eagles are winning games by too much, and they aren't when they get into the playoffs the margins get a lot smaller and a lot closer. So the one by an average amount? No, what I'm, what they're getting at is that they're not going to know how to win close margin games. So to that, I mean, if they're blowing teams out, 
are they just going to blow them out in the playoffs? Too? Right. They're, they're, right. It's not like they're blowing out the bad teams. They blew out the Vikings. They blew out the Giants. They blew out the Titans. Yeah. It's not um, like they're. It's not like they're blowing out just the bad team. Right. Yeah. Uh, they're that's, they're putting it on teams. It, it'll be really interesting to see that division showdown uh, between them and the Dallas Cowboys uh, to see how they like that turns out. I I assume that'll be a pretty close game. But then again. Dallas Cowboys could go out and lay an egg or vice versa. They could lay an egg similar to how the Vikings uh, like fared against the Cowboys as well. So we'll see there. Yeah, I think you phrased that perfectly. And the uh, the media needs something to talk about when they talk about it 24 seven. It's ridiculous to act like because they're blowing people out. They're going to be bad at football. Like you think they what? Only practice situations being up 14 in practice. They're still practicing that. They know what they're doing. They have a playbook. That's some, that's dumb. But they're not doing it in a real game. Oh no. What a a sad thing to blow all your opponents out. Let's not penalize a team for being too good. It makes games stress free for your fans so that when you get to the postseason, they're going to be rowdy and rambunctious. So it'll, it'll go well for you. Rowdy and rambunctious is the calling card of all fans of the Buffalo Bills. It seems like they get their revenge on the New York Jets this weekend in a rainy game in Orchard Park. Uh, upcoming, I believe they have another game where they're this this coming weekend where they're projected to get over 20 inches of snow. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they have another game that gets moved because of uh, poor weather up in Buffalo. Does this mean they need to get a dome over their stadium so that they can keep their home games going forward? I don't think so. I think the weather brings a great advantage to Buffalo, but something that'll get talked about. Another talking point. Orchard Park's one of the oldest stadiums in the NFL right now, right? It is. It might be the oldest. It is one of the oldest ones, but they're going to get a brand new one. That's the plan, at least. I love it. No domes. To a domed stadium, both the Cowboys and the Texans own those, but the Cowboys were able to best the Texans this weekend in what was one of the biggest surprises of the week. The Cowboys, I believe, were two touchdown favorites in this game uh, going into it. Tony Pollard and Zeke were good again. Dak Prescott did what he needed to, but the Texans hung around. Uh, Dak had some costly turnovers. There was a fumble in that game as well. Uh they they hung around, but the Cowboys were able to eke it out. Would have been one of the uh, largest disparities, like in win margin this year, had the Texans actually pulled that one out. But they didn't, so nothing to talk about there. Win, just win, baby. That's all that matters in the NFL. Uh, we had already touched on this, but the 49ers, thanks to. Uh, Brock Purdy and the rest of that team. Christian McCaffrey was phenomenal as well in this game. So was the defense all led to a blowout of Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Boy, it is tough to be Tom when all of your weapons aren't in sync. Your offensive line is terrible and you don't have a run game. Uh Oh, so where is he going to go next? Uh, After this season, the rumors are already starting to swirl. Is San Francisco a potential destination? All the weapons, good offensive line, great defense. So if Tom Brady goes to San Francisco, they're definitely trading Brock Purdy. Or are they trading Trey Lance? I'd try and trade Trey Lance, honestly. 
and you know Tom Brady only has a couple of years left, probably at best. Sit right. Brock Purdy behind him. Already solid fundamentals. Learn from the guy who is the best at making the most out of not having a ton of athletic ability. Or they might that do that to Trey Lance. Mm, Trey Lance is not the same quarterback at all. Will Trey Lance? Yeah, will Trey Lance? Or will Trey Lance be humble enough to want to do that? We'll see. But. There it is. Uh, quarterback controversy that people like to talk about a lot was Tua being drafted before Justin Herbert. Everyone's saying, uh, Justin Herbert's that generational talent. Tua has a small arm, uh, can't throw the ball down the field. Well, in this game, Herbert did get the best of Tua. Her- Justin Herbert had like, what was it, 40 completions in this game, which is wild uh, how much that they actually throw this ball, the ball in that offense. Uh, the Dolphins did try and make it interesting, but in the end, the Chargers were just too much. Uh, Tyreek Hill has a nagging ankle injury for a speedster that doesn't tend to heal quickly. So uh, that's something to watch as the Dolphins are still trying to uh, stay in contention in that playoff race in the AFC. I saw an interesting question. I'm curious what you guys think about it. Uh, it was a redraft question. Uh, the quarterbacks that got drafted that year were Joe Burrow, Tua Tungavailoa, Justin Herbert, and Jalen Hurts. How would you redraft them? What order would you pick them in? Uh, probably Joe Burrow still first. I agree. I would say Justin Herbert more so because his play style tends to uh, be more of an NFL play style. Uh just the the nature he can make pretty much every throw on the field as they said about Zach Wilson, but it's actually true with Justin Herbert. <laughs> um, and then I would go Jalen hurts just because his physical abilities are yep. way more impressive than Tua, and then Tua fourth. Yeah. When I was looking at it, I thought burrow, I really start, I really struggled between hurts and Herbert, but I did end up going Herbert as well. Burrow, Herbert hurts. And then tongue of Iloa last. I, th- I think a lot of the it's easy to say now. Yeah, you would pick Jalen Hurts yeah. over uh, Justin Herbert, possibly. But that type of playing style largely in the NFL has seemed to flame out very quickly. Uh, I guess my comp for Jalen Hurts would be someone like Robert Griffin, the third now saddled with a lot of injuries coming out of college. But same type of play style where the way that they play, it's so physical. They get beaten up a lot. Uh, it just typically tends to fade out a lot quicker. But man, Jalen Hurts has been playing phenomenal this year. Mike? Yeah, I mean, I probably put Hurts over, over um, not over Burrow, but over Herbert. Herbert? Um, yeah, just because, I don't know, Herbert um, also has injury concerns of his own. Um Though, yes, his style is less uh, injury-prone. I just think, right, and Hurts is one more, right? In the yeah, end, that's what matters a quarterback, right? So, But I, I understand. I don't think it's, it's, a, it's a travesty to pick Burrow over Hurts, or, or um, Herbert over Hurts. But, and know, I don't think you're wrong at all to pick Hurts over Herbert. I mean, a lot, of the, a lot of people are probably like, all right, Joe Burrow's one, and then it's Herbert or Hurts, like 2A or 2B, right? Like... Which one yeah, kind of fits your, fits your team better? Like, if you have a lot of speedsters and you can get the ball out to them, maybe you pick Jalen Hurts if you have a really good offensive line, too, in run block protection. Uh, 
if you just have a lot of really great route runners and a good pass blocking, blocking offensive line, you go with Justin Herbert. I think a lot of Herbert's downfalls, we could get into this like forever, but I think a lot of Herbert's downfalls are due to the fact that he's never had an offensive-minded coach leading him. And the LA Chargers, for what it's worth, seem to be in shambles like as an organization, not necessarily by the, by the means of like, oh, they're the Browns of a couple of years ago where literally nothing works. But it seems like a lot of the pieces that they try and bring in are either A, injured, they get the injury bug a lot, like the San Francisco 49ers, where the best ability is availability in the NFL, but also they seem to have a lot of swing and misses on some of their like key players and position groups that just don't seem to work out super well. Uh, so once I believe once Herbert gets an offensive-minded head coach, I think he will definitely take a next step, um, whereas Jalen Hurts got that offensive-minded head coach and took a huge first like next step in the NFL. So... There, you, there it is. Speaking of great steps in the NFL and offensive-minded head coaches, Patrick Mahomes uh, was actually outdueled in this game, I would say, by Russell Wilson. Uh, Wilson had three touchdown passes in this game, eight coming into the game. So that brings his total to 11 on the season, and he is only one touchdown pass away from matching the total number of bathrooms in his house. Uh, applause for, for Russell Wilson on that uh, feat. Although he did go out with a concussion in that game, uh, unsure how long that will settle him for. It did look pretty brutal. Um, so hopefully he has a quick recovery there. But the Chiefs, like I said before, with the Cowboys just win, even though it isn't pretty. Uh, the Chiefs have uh, turned the ball over in eight straight games, which has been one of their Achilles heels this season. Uh, and lastly, one other team game to cover the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Trevor Lawrence has been playing phenomenal, uh, as of late, he's starting to take that next step. I think they're only going to get better as they start to surround him with better players and a better roster. Uh, they beat a good Tennessee Titans team on the road, uh, with their whole host of like offensive players back and healthy as well. So that was a great win by the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're just gaining a little bit more me- more momentum for the next season. So there you have it. That was week, what, 13 in the NFL? Heading into week, week 14? 14. That was week 14, I believe. 14. Yeah, uh, 14, I think. I may be wrong, but correct me if I'm... Yeah, the Chiefs are 10-3 and three now. So yeah, it'll be week 14. The Chiefs can lock up the division next week, right, Kyle? If they, they win against the Texans? They, they can. They would have locked it up this week had they won and the Chargers lost. Yeah. But since the Chargers won, uh, beat the Dolphins, they have to wait one more week. And then what, Mike? The uh, the Vikings lock it up if they win? Win or Detroit loss. Or maybe Lions both okay. teams tie, I think. Maybe they lock it up if both teams tie, too. I okay. don't know for sure. Gotcha. So we're close. We're one week away from both the L's teams locking up their divisions. So good year. Hopefully. Hopefully. We were saying that last week about the Vikings. Well, yeah. Anyway, um, there was other one other thing I wanted to note um, in that Dolphins Chargers game, and that's what we're going to talk about in Mike Stupid Rules. Um, and it was the illegal snap, the snap infraction slash false start um, that was called. Um, on the Chargers, I believe, right? That was called on the Chargers, Kyle? 
That's Pretty correct. Sure yeah. 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 On the Chargers, um, they were in the hurry up offense as the Chargers do like to do. Well, only semi hurry up offense. So they huddled, right? And then out of the huddle, everyone ran up to the line. And then they snapped the ball immediately um, after that. So that nobody, uh, so the center just literally just walked up to the ball and snapped it. Now that is illegal. That is um, a penalty. You must have the ball. You must be holding onto the ball for at least one second as the center before you can snap it. Otherwise you'll get penalized for that. Um, some other things that you um, can't do or that you have to do, I guess, um, as the center are covered in Rule 7, Section 6, Article 3. The snap must start with the ball on the ground with its long axis at right angles to the line. Um, so it tells you how you've got to hold the ball. Um, it is not necessary that the snap be between the snapper's legs, but it must be one quick and continuous motion. It must leave or be taken from his hands during that motion. And basically, you can't snap, snap the ball until the officials are, are in their places. So there you go. Those are some and, of your snap infractions. Wyatt, you said that you think it might have been or possibly should have been assessed as a false start. I will say, like, when I... I remembered seeing it and like watching them break the rule down, but I can't remember if they called a snap infraction or if they called it a false start. So I don't know what the actual official ruling was on the field. But I mean, it doesn't really matter. They're both five yard penalties. Like, right. Eh. But uh, just based, I didn't actually see it. Just based on the description that Mike gave, it sounded like to me that technically should have been a false start and not a snap infraction. Um, Which it very well could have been. I don't remember. I just remember the premise around it, you know? Yeah. And like I said, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Yeah. yeah. They're pre- they're ultimately the same result. There you go. That is your stupid rule for this week. If you ever, if you ever see a rule that you want us to cover on this segment, tweet it at us and we'll, uh, we'll cover it. If you see something you want to learn about, tweet at us. We'll cover it. It helps us out rather than five minutes before the episode being like, hey, did anyone see anything this week? Yep. I'm very prepared on this this podcast. In our accountability session this week for our Write That Down predictions, it was not a great week um, for us um, in predictions. There were some decent ones, but not, uh, not uh, everything was great. Um, first off the board was Ariane predicting that all four podcast hosts would make the fantasy football playoffs. Ariane missed the fantasy football playoffs, oh. and then... Either Kyle or I will miss the playoffs, depending on uh, what happens in Monday Night Football. Only one am of I, us is going to make the Am I correct so. in saying there is a there is some way that Libby could technically make the playoffs and neither you nor I, Kyle's Kyle is going to win the uh, points for a tiebreaker over Libby, I believe. I guess okay. technically if Kyle somehow managed to lose. Yeah. But he is, um, let me see here. Up uh, yeah, 117 if, if, to 75, and all that uh, all that uh, his opponent has left is the kicker. Or the, sorry, the defense. Just so. ironic that at the beginning of the season, we're all chuckling and laughing. You know, Wyatt obviously is the reason why this is a more hard prediction. Wyatt's the only one guaranteed a playoff <laughs> spot, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can I get like a coach of the year award? Yeah, basically. Fantasy manager of the year? Yeah. I mean, you could, Good job, you could Wyatt. Get the, 
you could get the payout for uh, number one overall seed, uh, depending on uh, what happened with you and Zach here at the end. But you're going to lose, so no, Zach's going to get it. So. Yeah, I'm definitely going to lose this week. Yeah. Zach's team is garbage, okay? He's like eighth in points scored and somehow the first in his division. It's ridiculous. Yeah, he's going he's gonna to get the number one... Uh, He's going to get the number one seed and whatever money comes with that. So Very disappointing. Um, another prediction coming off the board is from Wyatt that the Lions will win exactly five games on the year. Um, they're already up to six wins. So for that, Wyatt gets it. Nah. Oh, we never buzzed Arian's prediction. Oh, yeah. No, sorry, we don't Arian. have to. Sorry. Nah. Nah. <laughs> um, I predicted there would be two Cyhawk wins this week. That did not happen. So I get it. Nah. There were, there were two Cyhawk wins, just not by the Cyclones. <laughs> yeah, technically true, there were. True that. True that. But no, the, this prediction is still wrong. So. Nah. Yeah. Kyle predicted that Gabe Kalsha would score 26 or more against Iowa. He, he, he didn't do that. So. Uh, nah. 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 predicted that Baker Mayfield would end up on the Los Angeles Rams, which he did do and led a great comeback on Thursday Night Football. So Aaron gets a ding 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 boy Bake. And this one we need to talk about. You predicted that Emma will eat food before me on this juice cleanse. So give us the details on this and then we'll discuss. So all credit to everybody. Uh, It was Monday to Friday. We both finished the juice cleanse. We did not eat any food on Monday through Friday. On Saturday, we broke our fast. Emma did technically eat food first before I did. However... Technically, the juice cleanse was finished, so it, you know, I, I'll leave it up to you guys whether you want to count that Emma ate food before I did, or whether the fact that we both completed the cleanse before anyone ate food, whether you want to give it to me or not. So well, I think that that's the key to this right here. You said that the juice cleanse was finished, right? Right. And I, the prediction. I think this says, is a push. Right? I, I would agree say it's probably a push. Because specifically, you said on this juice cleanse. Yeah. Right. Um, since the juice cleanse was over, I think so this then is a the punch. argument is what makes a cleanse end? Is it drinking the last juice or is it eating the food? I think it's your deadline, right? When you're trying to make it by. Yeah. Midnight, midnight Friday, yeah. I guess. Right. I, I agree with right. that. Yeah. I think it's a timing thing. I'm fine with that. So we'll, we'll call this one a push. You're not right. You're not wrong. Okay. I think this is our first push since. Uh, since uh, COVID Ever. canceled sports. No, we had tons oh, of pushes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we did a lot of bad. pushes. Yep. Yeah, I just want to give everybody their credit, though. I don't want to... Yeah. Everybody did yeah. a good job. Do we Do we have a signal for push? We, we, we do Is not. It, Probably we, just we like a meh and a shoulder scrub. <laughs> like, uh, whatever. <laughs> and really, it was our fault uh, that this was a push anyway, because we should have clarified uh, when this went up on the board. I, I thought about this in my sleep last night when I was copying the outline <laughs> over. I was like, oh, no. Boy. I'm glad that you think about me in bed. <laughs> you bet. On that, on that note, <laughs> I am going to uh, start putting some predictions back on the board. First, uh, I'm going to predict that the Lions still don't make the playoffs. Their fans are, are flying high, getting all up in uh, in our Twitter here. Um and I, I am just going to say, yeah, no. Their fans are getting high up in our Twitter? Who's that? What? Who's, 
like whose fans are getting up in our Twitter specifically? In the in Vikings Twitter, not like oh, eighty three eleven cast Twitter. Twitter oh, in Vikings okay. Twitter. Yeah, I thought yeah. you meant eighty three eleven cast Twitter, and I was like, uh, no, in Vikings Twitter. So according to five thirty eight, they have a twenty percent chance to make the playoffs, a point two percent chance to win the division. I was gonna say I. That's a single for me. I don't think they're making the playoffs. Yeah, and if every game the playoffs. Yeah, single. Single. Sounds good. Do you have anything from Josh this week? Is he still alive? He is still alive. And he also watched um, Brock Purdy this week. And he says Brock Purdy's taking the Niners to the Super Bowl. Home run. Uh, so the Niners have a 4% chance to win the Super Bowl, according to 538. Yeah, and Jimmy Garoppolo might come back. Correct. Really? But he comes back before the Super Bowl? out for the season. Yes. The broken foot. Wow, that's surprising. So let's, let, let's clarify this. It just says Brock Purdy to the Super Bowl, which oh, I would yeah. interpret that he does not have to still be the quarterback. Correct. They... Either way, it's still a home run. I, I yes, agree. Though, with I, your I agree. I agree. I just want to get that on the table okay. so we don't I, argue about it. Like I that. did interpret that as Brock Purdy still quarterbacking the Niners in the Super Bowl. So I am in the minority here. We'll say he the Niners get to the Super Bowl is basically what we're saying here. We'll, we'll deal with it when we get to that point, which we won't. Uh, either way, it's still a home run. I'm going to uh, contradict Mike's prediction and say that Dan Campbell is going to be coach of the year. And in my mind, the only way this can happen is if the Lions went out and do something impressive in the playoffs. NFL coach of the year odds 2022 to 2023 by Vegas insider. Yeah. Nick Sirianni is at minus 130, 175. Yeah. I, I would be shocked if he was a grand slam home run. Checking, checking some other odds. I'd looking for him. Yeah. I don't, I don't even see him on. A, I, I mean, three Bill, lists. Bill, Bill Belichick's plus 15,000. So, well, yeah, there's no way he would be on there. So in my mind, coach of the year either goes to like the most dominant oh. team, which is the Eagles or the most According improved team unexpectedly. Rotowire.com. I have Dan Campbell at the second best odds at plus 900. What? We have conflicting information. Who do we trust? Vegas Insider or RotoWire? I do what like Roto. Is what, that if you go, what if you go try to bet on it right now that lives in a betting legal state <laughs> and see what the official odds are? I have okay. uh, oddshark.com at Dan Campbell plus 1,800. He's in one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh place there. What app log are you in. looking at? Let Kyle? me log into my FanDuel account. All right, I'll pull up DraftKings. Not a sponsor. Also, not a sponsor. Not a. We have no sponsors. Uh, big Yet. surprise. You got. You got a lead. I don't know any. <laughs> Literally, you know, anybody wants to sponsor us, individuals, we'll we'll shout you out. Whatever you want to do, we're very flexible here. My app won't log in, so I'm going to give up. Wait for Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> I can't find and that is why they are not a sponsor <laughs> let's be real just, just give me a home run on this one alright I'm fine with that yeah I agree alright what do you got Kyle I am going to say that the Cowboys will lose their first playoff game Oh man, so it's looking that just like every the, year, right? <laughs> it's looking like the Cowboys first playoff game in all likelihood will be at the NFC South winner 
Who would probably be who? Probably the um, box, but it's not outside of the realm of possibility that it's the uh, Panthers. Oh, God. Or even the Falcons. Oh, no. That'd be a Cowboys thing to do. 538 says 63% chance box, 32% Panthers, 3% Falcons. Normally, I would probably say triple, but the Cowboys are just so Cowboys that I lean towards double. Dude, I, I'm on the same page. Oh, I'm, I'm oh, it's it. the Bucks, the Bucks and the Cowboys. That's like the most Cowboys like, thing yeah. they could do. I'm going to bet on Tom Brady or the Cowboys. I'll bet on Tom Brady. I was leading towards triple. So Kyle, what do you got? Double or triple? What's Kyle's What's prediction? <laughs> <laughs> I say triple. Flip a coin. <laughs> so we we got two doubles, so we're gonna lock it into a double here, I think. Dang it. I said wait, we had two doubles? That we had two triples. No, we had no. two doubles. Two doubles. Two doubles. Kyle you asked Kyle what he thought about his own prediction. Oh, it's Kyle's prediction. Sorry, I thought this is why <laughs> no. I thought this is Kyle's prediction. That's why I, I literally said I was like, I can't vote, but I say triple. <laughs> this is this is what I get for recording the podcast while sick, is I just don't listen to what you guys are saying. It's the Michael Jordan flu game of podcasts. Oh my. Except you're not doing good. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Double it is. What do you got, Ariane? All right. I am going to predict that DeWan Harris Jr. of uh, the Kansas Jayhawks will end the year leading the Big 12 in both assists and steals. I've never heard of this person before in my life, so I'm he probably won not Big the Twelve person. Defensive Player of the Year last year. Yep. So, I, I mean, you know, he's pretty decent. Statistics. He is currently, I believe, second in assists and third in steals. Uh, oh. Defensive leaders steals. Third in steals behind his teammate, Kevin, Kevin McCuller, and Dale Bonner. I've never heard of. And he is, yeah, second in assists. Now, Marquise Noel's at 8.2. He's only at 6.5. Also, great assist to turnover ratio. Very reminiscent of some Iowa State guards. He's fun to watch. Man. Double, um, triple, I don't know. Double. <laughs> Predicting an entire season leader in two different categories, that's at least I, a triple, I, if not a home run. I think it's a triple. I think their their play has, like, their schedule of play has been harder than, like, KSU, where Marquise Noel is. Uh, you've got I, I, third is Adam Flagler, shooting guard, not a guard guard. Um and then Marcus Carr at 4.5. And then Steals. Tame and Lipsy coming at number five in assists crap as well. Shoot. It's a crapshoot. Um, I'll say triple. I'm going to say triple. Yeah. All right. I'll take it. Triple's fine with me. It's been a while, but we do have a single, double, triple, and two home runs, which means we've hit the cycle which also means we're at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for dropping by this week's episode of the 8311 cast, episode 203. 
From now until next week's episode, be sure to check in with our social media pages at 8311cast on both Instagram and Twitter. Signing off for the 8311cast, we have your hosts, Kyle Mersh, Mike Ludwig, Ariane Barry, and Wyatt Teeter. Talk to you all again next week. Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones!